from LPM. Louisville Public Media. Support for LPM Podcasts comes from the Eye Care Institute and Butchertown Clinical Trials, where they strive for diversity, equity, and inclusion within their staff, patients, and clinical trial participants. To learn more, visit butchertown.clinic. From Louisville Public Media. Support for this podcast comes from Kindred Healthcare, specializing in rehabilitation and long-term acute care services for 30 years. Questions about care after a hospital stay can be answered by speaking with a registered nurse at 1-866-KINDRED. And from KTC Building, seamlessly blending the classic character of older structures with 21st century amenities and technologies. Residential and commercial remodeling projects of any size. Details at kylethompsoncompany.com. For weeks, President Trump has been threatening to begin rounding up and deporting undocumented immigrants unless Congress makes changes to asylum laws, and some of those arrests began on a small scale last weekend. The deportation threats and other elements of the Trump administration's immigration policies have unsettled many immigrants and their families, to say the least, particularly those who came into the U.S. through the southern border. I'm Rick Howlett. Today on WFPL's In Conversation, we'll talk about the effect of the Trump administration's immigration policies on Louisville's Hispanic population and others who have settled here and what life is like for them here. And we want to hear from you. Call us or reach out to us through social media to participate. The Trump immigration policies effect here in Louisville, coming up this hour on WFPL's In Conversation. pivotal moment for the west end of Louisville, but is it revitalization or gentrification? Any improvement they do around here has got to be better. They're not really asking us, do we want it, do we need it, and can we benefit by it? The rents are going to rise so fast that they're going to have to leave. Here today, a new podcast will track the changes in West Louisville and how they affect the people who call it home. Follow us at heretodaypodcast.org. Well, from the border wall to detention facilities to ICE raids and sweeps, the citizenship question on the census, undocumented workers, dreamers, immigration, especially as it relates to those who cross the U.S. southern border, has been one of the most hotly debated and turbulent issues, obviously, across the country in recent months, including here in the Louisville area. I'm Rick Howlett. Today on In Conversation, we're going to talk about the Trump immigration policy's effect on people here in Louisville and throughout the region. And our focus today is mainly on uh, Hispanic Latino residents because of the situation along the southern border. But we understand, of course, that immigrants come here from everywhere and also subject to the same policies. And we want to hear from everyone. And joining us here in the studio are Edgardo Mancilla. He's executive director of the Americana World Community Center. Edgardo, welcome back. Thank you. It's been a while since we had, we've had you in our studio. Good to see you again. Jesus Banjes from Mijente, Louisville, is here. Jesus, welcome to the program. Good morning. Thank you for having me here. And the Reverend Ryan Eller is here from Define American. I'm going to let everybody kind of describe uh, your organizations and uh, and what you do. And we'll start with you, Edgardo. Tell us about the Americana World Community Center, which has been well established here in Louisville for uh, for 26 years. Yeah. Uh, we serve people from over 100 countries. It's a mix of underserved populations, meaning poor whites and African Americans and Native Americans and then refugees and immigrants. Uh, what we do mostly is education programs, 
English Second Language Classes, After School Program, College and Career Preparation, Family Education. We have Mental Health Services, a clinic, a center for people who suffer torture or, or witness of torture. Uh, so we try to see the person as a whole, provide holistic services, and also we try to respect the human dignity and fight for social justice. And Jesus, tell us a little bit uh, about Mi Gente Louisville. Sure. Uh, so Mi Gente Louisville is part of a larger national organization uh, here in, in Louisville, launched in late 2016. And uh, in early 2017, it's the, the sanctuary movement. Uh, we, we are a uh, political home for Latinx and Chicanx organizers. A lot of folks are probably not familiar with the term Latinx, but Latinx is the uh, gender neutral term for Latina or Latina. So we, we advocate uh, for uh, just policies for you know the undocumented, but of course the queer, the black, and the uh, other marginalized communities. We did uh, launch Occupy ICE uh, last uh, summer in 2018. Uh, currently we're doing uh, language uh, justice uh, trainings for uh, interpreters in the community. All right, Reverend Ryan Eller, Define American. Uh, this is a national organization, right, based yeah, here in Louisville? That's right. We're a national organization, uh, proud to be based right here in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and we really um, are focused on media and culture. So really three uh, aspects of our work. One, we have local chapters. We've got a chapter right here at the University of, of Louisville now. Our chapters create welcoming and inclusive communities all across the country. We're, we now have 70 of those. Um, and we also do um, a lot of media advocacy. We do storytelling. We have one of the largest banks of online immigration-related stories um, in the country, and uh, we advocate for fair, humanized uh, portrayals of immigrants in the news media and entertainment. So that's through film. Uh, we um, work on a number of television programs across the country uh, and working with journalistic institutions. And we're going to hear throughout the program from some young people whose stories that you have posted on uh, the Defined American website. Uh, Edgardo Jesus and uh, Ryan are here to uh, take your questions and comments about immigration. We're going to be talking about immigration and, of course, the Trump administration's immigration policy uh, throughout uh, the program as it relates to uh, us here in Louisville and across the country. 502-814-TALK is our number. 502-814-8255. We're on Twitter. WFPL News is our handle, and you also find us on Facebook. So uh, where to begin? Uh, I'll pose this question to uh, all of you. Uh, Edgardo, I'll start, start with you. When you hear the words ICE raids or ICE sweep or immigration crackdown, as we've heard here in the past few weeks, or the president says we're going to start rounding up people, uh, tell us the effect that has here with, with people who, who you serve. The major effect is despair, frustration, fear, lack of hope, the idea that we are in a country who supposed freedom and suddenly is no longer there. The sense that if you work hard, you will be okay. It's not a reality. So all these expressions suddenly are worse now, but they are not new to us. Uh, we have a long history of deportation, palaces, uh, ICE uh, is a new institution in the last 20 years or so that took over the way that administrate the dealing with internationals. Uh, from my privileged point of view, I am a white person. I have accent. I have education. But I work with refugees, 
uh, I work with children. I just want to tell you a seven years old child asked me what you are going to do if a shooter came to Americana and trying to kill us. What you are going to do? This is a seven years old child. Why a child has to be thinking in that way? So the, the whole rhetoric, I don't think that people understand how much the power of the world is. It's powerful. And we are dealing with these expressions and conversations where the kids are told by the classmates, hey, now it's time that you go back home. This is not, it's not this week. Yeah. This was years ago. So it's a long history of oppression and abuse. Do you find that this maybe has a, a, a chilling effect that keeps people from maybe seeking out uh, basic services and help that, that because they they might get in trouble or they might get told on? Uh, it's no question about that. But also is the way that the system is working right now. I can tell you a family who drove the kids at the school stop one morning and as this bus was moving out, they were detained by ICE. That kid came back home without parents. This is the domino effect that people don't see. And I don't want, we can talk about the border, the children's in cage, the floor, the, mm -hmm. all, all these things that we know. But we had some of the situation here in town. How many, uh, Give me a rough idea of how many how many clients you have or how many people you work with. Typically. We serve over 5,000 people per year. Uh, the international population in global is about 115,000, 120,000. If you divide, it's one every seven people, one every six and a half people. It's international. The Latinx, Latino, Hispanic, I don't know, whatever is the name that you want to use today, uh, we are around 65,000 to 70,000. Uh, this is here in, mm -hmm. in Louisville. And uh, uh, most of them come from our Latin American countries? Uh, yes. Uh, in, in our case, we have people from over the world, but we have people from every single country in Latin America. I see. Hey, just give us a little uh, assessment of, of, of what this uh, has, has affected your, your world and the people you work with. Uh, absolutely. So um, just, you know, echoing what Gardo was saying, uh, th this causes, you know, a lot of panic, a lot of despair. Uh, people are confused, scared, obviously. Uh, the 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 thought of refuge and asylum, you know, that they, they once thought, you know, was attainable in the United States. You know, people are realizing that sometimes the United States is even worse than the countries they're fleeing in terms of it being oppressed and not be able to um, make a life, you know, for them and for their, their families. Um, so... So th this is, you know, exacerbated by a lot of rumors. So in one situation where people hear raids and stuff like that, people are hypervigilant. And what happens? People hear in any little thing and they take it as fact and it spreads on social media. You know, everybody's using social media nowadays. This was the case on Sunday night when people, somebody posted that they saw an ad on, on Craigslist uh, they said uh, they laid out the plans for raids in West Butchel, in, in Middletown, in St. Matthews, etc. And and of course this was not verified. So you know, so so, so people are spreading rumors, causing more panic in the community, uh, echoing what Edgardo was saying. People are afraid to to go out for basic services. 
you know, if, for example, if uh, an undocumented woman or even a woman with, you know, residency is in a situation where they are being abused by their spouse or, or you know, by somebody, you know, intimate or close to them, they, they will not report that. And we've seen that, you know, and we're going to continue to see that. And it's not something new. You know, th these deportations, this, this rhetoric did not start with Donald Trump. You know, that this has been going on for, for a long time. You know, let's think about to, back to 1996 with the you know, Immigration Reform Act of 1996, uh, which started, you know, the, the current uh, uh, hell we're in because of the harsh penalties for being on, on, having unlawful presence in the U.S. 287G, you know, uh, came about. So like a guy that was saying, this is not, abs this is not, not nothing new. And we've been seeing this for a long time. Uh, for those of us who, who are not are not familiar with with the, how the process work and what and and some of the uh, the, the language, what, what what does undocumented mean? Does someone who is who has crossed the border illegally, or is it someone who's who's come in and who's gone to work and maybe their work papers have expired? Can you explain that? A yeah, bit? yeah. So no, it's uh, so, you know, uh, oftentimes when they enter without inspection, uh, they didn't enter you know through a port of entry. Uh, they're not authorized uh, by the U.S. government to have a presence here. Uh, but also, um, it, it could be, like you said, somebody who came uh, with a work visa, you know, or visitor's uh, visa, tourist visa, or a student visa, and that expired, you know, and they're, they're here, um, they have unlawful presence now. Uh, oftentimes, they have no uh, immigration benefits, they don't qualify for residency or citizenship, you know, unless they, they perhaps maybe they're a victim of a crime that might be able to qualify for a, a, a U visa. And this, of course, is different, you know, from a dreamer, uh, you know, someone who's a, a DACA beneficiary, uh, which, by the way, you know, it's only uh, renewals right now are for DACA. So a DACA beneficiary is someone who, who came into the U.S., you know, at a, at a young age, and they meet, you know, certain requirements, you know, age limits and uh, having no, uh, basically no crim criminal record. Uh, they have a shield from deportation and they allow a work permit, you know, a social, a social security and a driver's license eventually, of course. You're listening to In Conversation on 89.3 WFPL. We're talking about immigration today with Edgardo Mancilla, who's the director of the Americana World Community Center here in Louisville. Jesus Ibanez from Mi Gente Louisville is here. And Reverend Ryan Eller from Define American. And uh, we're going to hear from some young people who uh, have posted uh, their stories on uh, the Define American website. And Ryan, we're going to talk to you after we come back from a break. And we'll be back with more in just a moment. You're listening to In Conversation on 89.3 WFPL. We get support for In Conversation from our sponsor, Kindred Healthcare, specializing in rehabilitation and long-term acute care services for 30 years. Questions about care after a hospital stay can be answered by speaking with a registered nurse at 1-866-KINDRED. conversation wouldn't be possible without you. To support the work we do, visit wfpl.org slash support in conversation or look for the link in our show notes. I personally think that being American is a lot of things, not just one particular 
stereotypical description of someone. Um, I think that being American means that you have a different story from someone else, but you never put someone else down. So um, people who work together, who um, have different stories to share, different experiences, I think that is really what makes Americans American. Um, my parents brought me to the U.S. when I was two years old um, because they definitely believed that it was in their best interest and my best interest um, to grow up here in America. Um, my my mom especially wanted our family to stay together, whether that be in Mexico or whether that be here in the States. So um, they did everything they could to bring me to the United States at an early age. Um, I was very privileged to be able to have a education here in America. Um, and every day I personally work hard because I know that my parents sacrificed everything they had. They left their home, which they haven't been back in 20 years, um, to give me the opportunity to go to college, the opportunity to, to, better, to a better life than the, what they had. That is uh, Pam Gonzalez of Raleigh, North Carolina, one of the many stories that you can hear on the uh, Define American website. And you're listening to In Conversation on 89.3 WFPL. I'm Rick Hallett. We're talking about immigration today and uh, Louisville's uh, Hispanic and uh, immigrant uh, community with Edgardo Mencia from the Americana World Community Center, Jesus Ibanez from Mi Gente Louisville, and Reverend Ryan Eller from uh, Define American. And Ryan, I want to turn to you. Uh, Pam, one of the many uh, young people who's uh, featured on your website telling their stories, dozens of them from around the country. Uh, tell us a little bit, can you uh, talk about what the effect of the, the latest uh, threats and, and so forth with immigration have had on people that with whom you work? Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that you played the, um, the clip uh, because I think what's often missed in the political rhetoric and the sort of consistent 24-hour news um, conversation about policy is the human impact and how it impacts local communities. Um, our chapter members are quite diverse. Uh, they range from um, allies to immigrants. About two-thirds of our chapter presidents are first-generation folk, many of whom are undocumented and from the LGBTQ community, and so they're dealing with um, a number of existential stressors throughout their life as they try to bond themselves to their community. Um, and I think, you know, it's no surprise to folk that this is largely a resilient community. I think we've experienced that here in Louisville with uh, families that have come from some other place like uh, so many. I mean, Louisville in the late 1800s was over 80 percent German uh, and 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 a healthy population of Irish immigrants. And so I think that resiliency is sort of in the water here in our community. But behind that resiliency, um, to Edgardo and Jesus's point, is a lot of fear. I mean, fear that you will be separated, not just from your family, but from your home and the community that you love. And um, I do think it's important to sort of underscore when we talk about that fear, there seems to be some sense across the country that folks who may have committed a, a crime should be in fear. And I just want to uh, unpack that a little bit because it's actually, uh, as a general rule, the Supreme Court has said it's not a crime to be in the country without the proper documentation. 
Now, the act of, of overstaying one's visa, which about half of all undocumented folks have uh, in their status, uh, or crossing without permission, uh, might be a civil offense in a similar way to those of us who have ever jaywalked or sped on a federal mm-hmm. highway. But to live in this much fear over a civil offense um, and be treated as someone who perpetually should be in fear, I think is a conversation we need to have as a country. And then the final thing I'll say is we're not just dealing with a couple of folk uh, here in Kentucky. I mean, about 50,000 people in Kentucky are our undocumented neighbors. 24,000 of those folks live with United States citizens. Uh, here in Louisville, that's a pretty healthy population when you consider our, uh, our weight in the larger landscape. And of those, the majority of people have lived here for longer than 13 years. So it's not like we're talking about community members that happen to just show up. And even those who do, I think, then adds an additional layer of conversation about how we define American and how we ought to treat newcomers to our community. You're listening to In Conversation on 89.3 WFPL. We're talking about uh, immigration and the impact of uh, President Trump's immigration policies on folks around the country and and here in Louisville in particular in this area. 502-814-TALK is the number to call if you have a question or comment. 502-814-8255. Again, we're on uh, Twitter. You can send us a tweet if you'd like, if you don't want to be on the air, or you can reach us through Facebook as well. Uh, let's talk about uh, what what would have become known as, as dreamers. I think Pam may have been one of those as well, a, a child of someone who was uh, undocumented. Where does the law stand right now on, on that, Jesus? Uh, I know President Obama allowed them to uh, to move forward, uh, but where, where does that stand now? So uh, right now, uh, DACA recipients are only allowed to renew uh, their DACA application. So the, the DHS is not accepting any new uh, DACA applications. So if you did not put in your initial application uh, by uh, October 2017, um, uh, you were not allowed to uh, try to get you know benefits that DACA might give you. And there had been some negotiation, I think, within, in Congress and in Washington to allow some of those to move forward. But There, there is. The, the President uh, Trump has um, ended the DACA program, or at least attempted to. Right. That was fought in court. And so now DACA exists because there's a court order. But the Supreme Court will be hearing that um, case in its, in its next uh, docket. And so much of that is, is in question. So it's a limbo place. How is it uh, that the people end up in Louisville, Kentucky? I know some may have may have relatives here, or but how does that process work? Well, it depends. Yeah. If you are immigrant, could be because you have a job opportunity. Uh, if you are refugee, you choose to come to Louisville, or you have a friend or family who already is in here. Uh, most of the Latinos, Latinx, Hispanics, we are coming because we have friends or connections or somehow. Uh, we know about Louisville that is historically and today a safe place, a cheap place, and you have plenty of job opportunities. However, the new administration, the big change is the way that they implement policies. Uh, by, by rule, if you have your green card, you can renew it every 10 years. Right now, they are slowing the process to renew it, so... Uh, the Department of Homeland Security is holding the immigration status in a different level. Uh, the immigration law is a mess, and the, I will say that the 
root of the problem is the immigration law that we have. It's, it's literally, the official law is a mess, and with the new policies, I don't know what is today. I used to know, I don't know anymore. But what I know is, if you have your green card, you are lawful resident, you cannot apply for any kind of federal aid for the first 10 years that you are working in the United States. So when we are listening all the rhetoric about international getting benefits, social security, I would say most of the time they're lying and they know that they're lying and they are creating a situation that is not true. Uh, when I got in my green card and I came as a student, changed my status a permanent resident and then citizenship. But when I got my green card, I had to find a person who signed an affidavit on my behalf. If I was losing my job, that person has to, was going to pay my bills because I cannot apply for any help. So there are many things around how people come to Louisville. Uh, what is a different of the last, la, the last century, or two centuries ago now, is now that international population is absolutely diverse. You have Germans, you have Irish, you have Scottish, white Catholics coming from Europe. Now, just at the center, we have over 100 countries. Jefferson County Public School, I think that has 123 countries. So the whole international population is absolutely different about what used to be. And this is going to affect, uh, I, I say to, to my students, because I, I part-time teacher, get used to know someone different like you because your child or your grandchild will have a significant relationship with someone who you don't have a clue how to deal with. Do, uh, has it been your experience that people do, who come here uh, and they settle here, that they stay here, they like it here? Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the idea, uh, and most you can see this in the families. Uh, my family, I have four kids. All of them are here. They're going to college, come back, work here. Uh, Louisville is, a, in general, with exceptions, but in general, it's a welcome place. And the whole world of compassion works. I live in South Louisville, so uh, mm -hmm. we're, we're lucky that, you know, you can uh, encounter a, a person from Vietnam, from Somalia, mm -hmm. from Cuba, from Bosnia in, in a matter of, mm -hmm. of minutes. Yeah. So. It's the most diverse. The South Louisville is the most diverse area in the whole state of Kentucky. It's, it's a wonderful place to, to live, and uh, people should come visit as well. 502-814-TALK if you want to get in on this conversation. 502-814-8255. And uh, we're talking uh, immigration with Edgardo Mencia with the Americana World Community Center, Jesus Ibanez of Mijete, Louisville, Reverend Ryan Eller of Define American. Jesus, of course, a, a few years ago you were involved heavily with the, the demonstrations that took place uh, here in Louisville, and uh, there were demonstrations across the country regarding immigrations. Those seem to be picking up uh, again. Is that what, what you've seen generally? Yeah, and uh, I think, you know, with this uh, whole uh, new spotlight on the concentration camps, you know, and down the border, uh, when it comes to, to children, you know, that causes, you know, visceral, visceral reaction, you know, for anybody w with the pulse. You know, uh, we as Americans uh, as a whole, you know, I think we don't want to see uh, children suffer. So uh, p people are definitely organizing around that. You know, we're seeing that with different, you know, religious organizations across the country, you know, particularly with uh, uh, Jewish people who are against, you know, ICE, who want to abolish ICE. Uh, we're seeing that, you know, most recently with Catholic people who are getting arrested in Washington, D.C. Uh, so, you know, the, the movement is definitely picking up, you know, and I love it because, you know, this is exactly what we need. You know, we need mass mobilization. You know, if we want to effectuate change, 
uh, you know, it's you know, it's different t- tactics, you know, and I think one tactic is mass civil disobedience. Uh, you know, we've seen uh, history. Uh, you know, the lessons from history is that you know these actions you know, work. Uh, so I'm, you're absolutely right. These uh, actions are picking up, and I think more are needed. And I'll, I'll let uh, any of you answer this. I, I want to get your thought on uh, sanctuary cities. Governor Matt Bevin uh, the other day said he will support legislation that will ban any sanctuary cities uh, in Kentucky. First of all, can you can you define what a sanctuary city is and, and what they do from your standpoint? So uh, according to Jeff Sessions, uh, who came out and said that basically a sanctuary city, uh, uh, defining a sanctuary city, one that not communicate with the federal government and federal agencies. By that definition, there are no sanctuary jurisdictions uh, in, in in the country. But you know the 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 most uh, you know well recognized definition of sanctuary city is one that does not collaborate with ICE. Uh, I'm thinking of San Jose, California, uh, which is has one of the most robust sanctuary uh, policies, where they do not you know share any data uh, with ICE. Uh, you know, so police or the city, you know, agencies do not share, you know, uh, uh, inmates or, you know, a residence, you know, immigration status. So ICE does have no access to the jails or to police records. I see. 502-814-TALK is our number. If you want to get on this conversation, we're talking uh, immigration. 502-814-8255. And again, we're on uh, Twitter. WFPL News is our handle. Uh, Reverend Ryan Eller, I want to uh, come back to you because uh, it seems like many uh, churches have begun to take the lead now, uh, or houses of worship, I should say, not just churches, in, in, in providing sanctuary for some folks. Yeah, and, and I, I do want to make a distinction between what many have talked about uh, being sanctuary cities and where the origin of the sanctuary mm-hmm. movement um, right. began, which really is in the faith community that goes back centuries, is based upon scripture in not just the Christian tradition, but certainly the Jewish tradition and Muslim tradition, um, whereby individuals could claim safe space in a literal house of worship in a sanctuary. And so the, the congregations across the country, we have a few here in Louisville, um, ha, who have joined uh, what's now called the New Sanctuary Movement, are a part of a, a long lineage of tradition, and it's actually still um, uh, rule um, in a memo by the Department of Homeland Security to protect uh, what they call, quote-unquote, sensitive locations. Those would be houses of worship, Healthcare facilities and educational facilities. As Edgardo mentioned earlier in the segment, the um, administration and some ICE officials have been encroaching upon those sensitive locations. But as a country that has always believed in religious freedom, um, we hope that that encroachment will not uh, come into houses of, of worship. But I think it's being tested right now, and those values are being tested. I'll say as a, a Personally, as a, as a Christian, you know, we follow uh, someone who themselves was a refugee and fled without the government's permission. And so um, I think um, we in this moral crisis that we are having as a country, I call it an identity crisis also, need to really um, assess what our faith says about how we are to treat newcomers and sojourners. Scripture certainly says a lot about that, and I think... Um, uh, we should be looking pretty deeply in our faith communities throughout Louisville about our what, what our traditions say. 
Let's, let's talk about ICE for a minute. And maybe I should have invited uh, someone from ICE to be here. Maybe we can talk to them later. But uh, Jesus, when we talk about ICE, a lot of people conjure up images of, of, of agents arresting people. I mean, who who is ICE? Are, are there people in with ICE that, for lack of a better term, you negotiate with or talk to? Or they have outreach people who, who, who listen? Well, me personally, absolutely not. You know, I, I don't negotiate with terrorists, and that's what ISIS is, a terrorist organization sanctioned by the, you know, the government. You know, it's the law enforcement, you know, uh, arm of, you know, the, the the DHS, you know, which rounds up in immigrants. Uh, as Ricardo was saying earlier, it's, you know, it's a, it's a new, you know, organization started under the Bush administration in 2003. Uh, before that, it was, you know, INS. Uh, who was run down in individuals. Now, ICE is different, you know, from the uh, the Border Patrol, which is along the, uh, the U.S. border, but also has, you know, an office in airports, and we do have a Border Patrol office here in the Louisville uh, airport. We are talking about uh, immigration and uh, ICE, as you just heard, and uh, various related topics with uh, Edgardo Mancia from the Americana World Community Center, uh, Jesus Ibanez from Mejente, Louisville, and the Reverend Ryan Eller from Define American. And we'd uh, like to hear what you have to think uh, about uh, immigration and uh, as it affects you, or maybe you've had an experience uh, with immigration or with the immigration officials. We'd like to hear uh, your viewpoint. 502-814-TALK is the number to call, 502-814-8255. Edgardo, uh, are, are, generally speaking, in your experience, have Louisvillians who have been here a long time, are they generally accepting of folks that come uh, in? I would say by general, yes, but we have a right movement in town. Is we, we know that we have white supremacies. Sure. Uh, we know that some people, uh, I, I am aware of experiences of my participants, where they were pushed, insulted on the streets. Uh, so far, there are deception to the rule. Uh, we have a campaign a couple of years ago, and we were I was amazed at the thousands of letters and cards coming to support the uh, at that time the refugee situation, people coming from uh, Africa countries with a Muslim faith. Uh, right now, I think that most of the people are upset, frustrated with what we are seeing at the border. All right, we're talking uh, immigration, and we'll be back with more on In Conversation on 89.3 WFBL right after this break. Communities across this country are losing their most reliable sources of local news. Well, fortunately, public radio is still going strong, and that's thanks to listeners who donate. I'm David Green. Please support local and national journalism. Support now at WFPL.org. So I am a DACA recipient. I was born in Rincón de Romos, Aguascalientes. Um, in Mexico, and um, ever since I've moved to the United States, racism just kind of played a big role in my life. Um, in elementary school, since I couldn't speak the language, uh, kids would bully me, push me off the monkey bars, um, just because they knew I had no way of communicating with the teacher. Um, so it's always been rough. Middle school, um, I got followed home and attacked near the corner of my street. Um, and it was it was a traumatic experience still kind of is um, but since then my mom and I've like 
sprung into action and we introduced an anti-bullying bill to the Nebraska legislator with help from our lawyer Thomas Inklar and um, many other Nebraska people that work in the legislature and uh, senators so it's it's been it was a journey for sure but it got passed I think May 27 2015 um, so it's Frida's Law. It's seek to criminalize bullying behavior that occurs um, on and off school grounds and also seek to hold bystanders responsible. Um, since there was a crowd that kind of surrounded us and took videos of the attack. So that was our big campaign. I did multiple interviews where I had to relive every moment of my attack. And um, it was definitely, it was, it was really rough. It was a rough time, but um, once I got into high school, it definitely changed. Um, I became a part of Latino Club and through Latino Club uh, my activism grew after that. I've spoken, well I I helped coordinate the walkout at my high school so um, and after that I or before that actually I spoke at March for Our Lives at the Capitol in Lincoln. Um, I've spoken at multiple Keep Families Together rallies. I've uh, I did my TED talk over uh, my bullying experience, my immigration story of um, being an immigrant and living in the U.S. and facing all this discrimination and racism. Um, it's definitely my mom's courage and perseverance that pretty much introduced me to activism. It pushed me forward. Um, she wasn't willing to let this down. And it's, it's crazy, undocumented immigrants um, don't go to law law enforcement with this but um my mom and my mom definitely she knew this was wrong it's nothing like we can't sit and let nothing be done so um i i was definitely more than willing to just back away let things be um i didn't want to put my story out there i just wanted to lay in the shadows just um, kind of stay behind the scenes but my mom definitely encouraged me and i'm glad she did because i yeah, I'd totally be a different person now than I was. And that was uh, Frida Aguilera of Lincoln, Nebraska, talking about uh, her experiences uh, as an immigrant. And uh, that is from the uh, Define American website. And we have the director of Define American here, Reverend Ryan Eller, along with Jesus Ibanez from Mijente, Louisville, and Edgardo Mencia from the Americana World Community Center. We're talking about uh, immigration here on uh, In Conversation on 89.3 WFPO. We'd love your input as well. 502-814-TALK is our number, 502-814-8255. And we're on Twitter, WFPO News is our handle. And uh, Ryan, I, I was listening to quite a few of the the uh, stories on, on your website. And people are eager to share their experiences, it seems like. They are, and it takes a lot of strength and courage to do that in an environment that um, may get you backlash for being public yeah. just about who you are and for joining the conversation about how you define American. For so long in our country, we've really uh, only allowed certain voices from particular backgrounds to share and define what that means. And a lot of our effort is to include uh, the voices of folks who haven't always been at the table. And so the bravery that I, I think you hear in stories like this coming from uh, a young person, uh, to me, is what gives me hope, even amidst uh, dark times where forces of hate, you know, might be trying to gain some traction and divide folks against one another in a community. Now, before we uh, let the time slip away, now you have an event coming up this fall, right? 
We do. Thank you for bringing that up. So our biggest national e event, one of the largest uh, convenings in the immigrant freedom space, is happening right here in Louisville, October 10th through the 13th. We're going to be at the Galt House. We're going to open it at the Muhammad Ali Center. We've got a comedy night with amazing comedians coming uh, to Mercury Ballroom. And it's going to be a conversation where we reimagine American identity. And so really everybody from the community is welcome. Uh, it's not going to be a safe space. It will be a brave one. And we hope that people from every different background will come and join this conversation and we can redefine the future of our country together. And that is when? That's in October? October 10th through 13th. And you can uh, register on defineamerican.com to come to the summit, and we'll be rolling out speakers and workshop leaders uh, throughout the rest of the summer and early fall. And while you're at that website, have a look around and listen to uh, some of these stories. They're, they're really uh, fascinating. We have a call from uh, Ben in Louisville. Hi, Ben. What's on your mind? Hey, I, I just wanted to say, I mean, I think everyone can agree that our immigration system is broken. I think that everyone can agree that in general, we don't want illegal immigration. We want legal immigration. There's a whole bunch of problems that can occur when you have illegal immigration. But the same token, the people who are coming here should have a legal means to get here. I mean, if you're, you know, you're going to travel all the way across Mexico. I mean, I think that says a lot about a person uh, that wants to come here. And I mean, I think that having a very restrictionist immigration policy is just not what this country is about. At the same token, we're a country that tends to follow laws. If you have a breakdown of law and order, uh, where does that lead you? So that, that's kind of my comment. It just seems like we need to figure out a system that actually works and is going to get people in here. But at the same token, uh, isn't going to allow criminal activity to continue. Thanks for your call, Ben. Appreciate that. Uh, Jesus, let me let me turn turn to you. Let's make you president of the United States with a with a Congress who will agree with whatever you want to do. How do you, how, what do you do to uh, with with immigration in our country? I, I think um, first uh, get rid of USC thirteen twenty five and thirteen twenty six, uh, which criminalizes you know uh, uh, unlawful uh, uh, entry and then reentry. Uh, to the United States and, and makes it, a, you know, an, an offense. And, you know, and, and that's why we have situations where, you know, fathers and young daughters try to cross the, the river and, you know, and end up dying. You know, I, I will absolutely change uh, the, the immigration system we have, you know, and I will hold, you know, our politicians and the United States accountable uh, for the atrocities they committed in these countries where people are fleeing. Uh, because, you know, the, the situations oftentimes in Central America and, you know, and uh, other developing nations where uh, the uh, the economy is shot, well, they have, you know, dictators, right-wing dictators. It's because the U.S. oftentimes has propped them up or has, you know, in other ways contributed to destabilization of, the, of those countries. You know, so it's time for the United States to, you know, f as a whole, to be held accountable for those atrocities and the current state we're in. We do have a uh, Twitter message. Someone wants to remind us that Louisville faith groups work together uh, with with immigration, which you're well aware of, Edgardo, uh, including the Interfaith Coalition for Immigrant Justice. And, and you work with with many organizations, yes. right? This is the support that we have. We have this, the community support and the faith for every single angle of faith. Uh, we have interactions with Buddhists, with Muslims, with Christians, and with every other group that you can imagine because it's a common respect for life. It's a common respect 
for what means to be alive and and the Christian faith or the Jewish faith will be created to God imagine. And, and this is something that sometimes we forget when talking about faith. Uh, you, I, everyone here is created by God imagine, and we need to keep this connection there. Um, I, I will say, I'm I thinking about the question that you said to Jesus. At one point is, we have policies that need to be changed. It's no question. The immigration law is broken. On the other hand, we have policies that we're supposed to respect, the asylum seekers. And I'm really frustrated when I, listen, I was listening to NPR earlier today that one of the, inter, the person was talking about illegal crossing. When you apply for asylum, you are not illegal. Mm -hmm. By the way, illegal is another definition we have to say. You are asking for asylum because this is part of our law. So we need to understand what we have as a law and respect it. Uh, and we cannot start to change depends on my political party. Uh, I think that part of the issue also is, I'm talking about to Christians here, so if you are not Christians, sorry. The thing is, are we defined our faith by our political views or our political views are defined by our faith? And I think that we have a huge confusion here, how we can play around to justify positions that there are no base in any kind of faith that you can express. And can I can I just add to, to that? I, I think, first of all, the, the Interfaith Coalition for Immigrant Justice is one of the most exciting things happening in our community. I think it, it can be modeled in other communities. Um, I, I do think that when we talk about laws, we need to recognize in a democracy that a law is simply a community's set set of values at a given point in time, particularly the values of those who are in power. And so when we talk about laws, we also need to recognize that at one point in this country, it was against the law to marry someone of the opposite um, race. It was uh, legal to own another human being of a certain racial background. And so I do think that we need to have that frame when we talk about laws and I would simply suggest that a nation who in our most prominent harder, harbor reads the words, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, is an invitation in 2019 to a conversation about whether human beings who also are American should have the freedom to move. And when I say also are American, there are many uh, people at our southern border right now coming from Central America. And so I just think the larger conversation when we talk about laws needs to be uh, addressed. It is a fundamental myth, and, uh, and frankly, I will say a lie, to suggest that people are showing up to the United States because of our laws. Mm -hmm. I've been to the border a number of times. I talk to immigrants every single day. We can't go around the world for centuries spreading the uh, ethos of the American dream and the, the, the uh, brilliance of American culture, and then ask people why they're showing up on our doorstep, ringing our doorbell, asking to come in. And so I just think it, it needs to be a broader fundamental conversation about who we are as Americans and what those values are. I, I agree totally with my colleagues. 502-814-TALK. If you'd like to get on the conversation, 502-814-8255. We have a Twitter message. It's, uh, does this mean no current DACA renewals are being accepted either. Uh, so, so renewals are being accepted. 
Uh, th there are uh, funds available in some organizations where you are a doctor recipient. Uh, you can uh, get the the paperwork done for free. I know La Casita Center is one of them. So you can reach out at La Casita Center, 502-322-4036 if your renewal is coming up shortly. And uh, another message, what I often hear from immigrant advocates, however, might be hurting our cause. I appreciate the critique of the long practice problematic immigrant policy, but giving credit where credit is due is key. This is new. Jeff Sessions' memo augmented the uh, uh, previous deportation policy. So uh, if you have a question or comment for us, 502-814-TALK is the number to call. We have a few minutes uh, left in the program. We're talking to Edgardo Mencia from the Americana World Community Center, Jesus Ibanez of Mijente, Louisville, and uh, the Reverend uh, Ryan Eller of Define American. Tell us a bit more about your organization, Jesus. Uh, how could people f find out more if uh, they, they want to get assistance from, from you guys? So, uh, Mi Gente does a lot of um, not so much services, organizing, you know, a political home for activists. Uh, but if you want to reach Mi Gente, uh, we do have a, a Facebook uh, page, a Facebook group, uh, Mi Gente Louisville. Uh, you, you can. Uh, we are working on some campaigns, so definitely uh, keep a lookout for us in the upcoming uh, months. Uh, we have been organizing quietly, uh, but, but you know, just want to reiterate that Mi Gente Louisville is a home for Latinx organizers. So if there are any Latinx organizers, you know, out there listening right now, please uh, get a hold of the, you know, get a hold of us. You know, we would love to have you part of our group. And uh, Edgardo, what about folks who just? Louisvillians, private citizens who who want to help, who want to help an immigrant family. How, how, how do they reach out? Oh, they can call Americana 502-366-7813, our webpage, americanacc.org, our Facebook, our Twitter. We are in these things. The best way to help us right now is two things. Helping, mentoring the young people. We had the privilege for the last seven years that every child coming to the center and finish high school is in college. It's 100% seven years in a row. And they are organizing the set to mentor the next generation. We need mentors. We need people who invest time in the other person's life. We need volunteers. Helping with homework, helping with meditation, helping with a community garden that we have. We, we need money. So you can donate money. Uh, we suffer the city cuts. We suffer the Metro Nightway cuts. We suffer this week the state cut the ESL program. Uh, they cut four sites here in Louisville. So we are facing hundreds of people that I don't think that they, we can serve. Uh, so all those things will be helping us to provide better services. My, my motto is we have to do all the time our best. And it's not just to pass by, it's do the best. We are serving people. Uh, we, are, we don't have clients. We have people who come into the center as a participants. They choose to participate in their own development. And we appreciate that, we honor that. This is not as a free for all. It's as a lot of sacrifice. People going to work two times, have children to rear, and coming to the center to communicate in English. And uh, if you, uh, I know that I have a heavy accent, no, who I am. My English is almost perfect in relation with other people who are new in the States. So it's a big ladder to, to, to go. Uh, it's a, takes time. It 
they stay. Uh, what about housing? Is housing an issue with finding? Uh, we have, uh, we don't provide housing. However, like every other poor population in town, the lack of single housing is a problem. And we have to do, as a community, we need to face the lack of housing for poor people. This is simple for everyone. And uh, Ryan, uh, I'll give you the last word if folks want to find out more about Define American or get involved, or how do they do that? Well, the best way Louisvillians uh, could get involved in the conversation is to, is to come to that summit on October 10th through the 13th and register and join the conversation that way. We do have chapters. We do have the ability for people to share their story and to help shift the moral narrative uh, of our country. And so you can find those resources on our website no matter where you uh, happen to be located. I want to thank you all for joining us today. Uh, this is something that uh, we're going to be talking about for <laughs> a long time to come, and I appreciate you giving us some, uh, some insight into this today. Thank you all for joining us. Edgardo Mancia with the Americana World Community Center, Jesus Ibanez with Mijente Louisville, and Reverend Ryan Eller with uh, Defined American. Also want to thank our In Conversation production team, Kaylin Jackson, Brad Yost, Ashley Clark Thompson, and Russell Wells. Our opening and closing theme was composed by Kojin Tashiro. I'm Rick Howlett. We'll be back uh, live with another program uh, next Friday here on 89.3 WFPL. Thanks for listening. Next time on WFPL's In Conversation, we'll be joined by Coalition for the Homeless Executive Director Natalie Harris and other advocates. They'll talk about their work helping the homeless and their mission to prevent homelessness. And we want to hear from you. Homelessness in Louisville, Friday morning at 11 on WFPL's In Conversation with program support from Kindred Healthcare. Support comes from Vision Zero. On foot or behind the wheel, safety is a shared responsibility. And Vision Zero Louisville believes zero roadway fatalities is the only acceptable amount. Their mission is to create safe roads by design, engineering solutions, and education. More information at visionzerolouisville.org.